0: Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snedden. We are back with um, another book review. Do you know how many that is for this year, Rob? Yeah, I do.
1: This is, I think, the 25th? or 25 26th. books. 25. Maybe 26.
0: Yeah. And it's only the beginning of September. Um, We're killing it. I just want to say that we've had a run <laughs> of really good books. I was thinking about this the other day. Like Everything we've read has been really, really good for the last couple of months.
1: I agree, yeah. We've had some heavy hitters. Yeah. Sounds like a little bit of an omen for this episode, though, doesn't it? We'll see. Well, I want to point out, this book came out 59 years after the last book that we reviewed. So it's probably... A little more modern. A little more modern. (laughs) Although it mostly takes place, like,
0: I don't know, 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Roughly 10 to 15 years ago. So it covers... uh, I guess we should just talk about the book Cherry... (laughs) We are reviewing Cherry by Nico Walker. Um, I don't even know how this came on my radar. I think I was just doing one of those things where I look for books. And I will tell you, uh, you may not want to judge a book by its cover, but it's definitely the cover that caught my eye. And I totally thought this was going to be about like underage prostitutes or something, you know, something fun. (laughs) Um, Turns out it's about uh, heroin and stuff. So uh, here is the bio. Listen carefully to the bio. Nico Walker is originally from Cleveland. He served as a medic on more than 250 missions in Iraq. Currently, he has two more years of an 11-year sentence for bank robbery. Cherry is his debut novel. That essentially is also the synopsis for this book, in case um, anybody yeah. was wondering.
1: Yeah. Synopsis is pretty big, but you're going to notice some striking similarities. So let's get that out of the way. It's 2003, and as a college freshman in Cleveland, our narrator is adrift until he meets Emily. The two of them experience an instant, life-changing connection, but when he almost loses her, he chooses to make an indelible statement. He joins the Army. So noticing some parallels here. The outcome will not be good for either of them. As a medic in Iraq, he is unprepared for the realties. (laughs) So this is... uh, a typo. It's supposed to be realities, but um, where we pulled, uh, we pulled the bio from Barnes Noble.com, uh but it's the same as Amazon. It says realties, so there you go. Knopf is the publisher. Screwed up the, uh, the typo. Uh, as a medic at Iraq, he is unprepared for the realities that await him. He and his fellow soldiers huff computer duster, which I never knew was a thing, abuse painkillers and watch porn. Many of them die. When he comes home, his PTSD is profound. As the opioid crisis sweeps through the Midwest, it drags both him and Emily along with it. As their addictions worsen and with their money drying up, he stumbles onto what seems like the only possible solution: robbing banks. Written by a singularly talented, wildly imaginative, imaginative debut novelist, Cherry is a bracingly funny and unexpectedly tender work of fiction straight from the dark heart of America.
0: I have a few things I want to talk about before we get into the book. First yeah. of all, <clears throat> I'm going to take uh I'm going to take issue with the synopsis because I'm not sure how wildly imaginative this novelist is. <laughs>
1: um yeah, I think that's going to be a point that we talk about because um as as we heavily implied basically the life of the author is the exact same as the life of the unnamed narrator. Um, In our in our book, who is the protagonist? Um, And it's and it's emphasized in the book that this is a work of fiction. But um, it sounds like pretty much exactly what happened to this dude in real life.
0: Yeah, I don't know about the um, the the addictions and stuff because it's not part of his bio. But yeah, there's some some very frighteningly similar um, things here. The other thing I want to talk about, you didn't know Huffing computer. Um, like the canned air
1: thing. Is it just anything that's aerosol? Because like, I mean, all right. So back, I'll tell you, this is a Rob Rob's life story. I remember as a, I was never like a drug kid. I never did any of the drugs and stuff when I was like a, a high in high school or just out of high school or anything, but I hung out with people who totally did. And I remember vividly one day, um, being in the, back seat of a car with a girl who had like uh, aerosol like uh, air freshener like glade like a bottle of glade and she was huffing it through her bikini bottoms like and that was a thing and I was like well there's so that many that is things. one flexible young lady <laughs> well, holy she shit wasn't, I'm sorry she wasn't wearing them at the time oh okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to envision how this works <laughs> she's in a car she's rolled it over and I'm, I'm witnessing this, and I'm like, there are so many things about this that I'd never really care to, to experience myself. So, is it just a, anything aerosol that you can huff? Or is there.
0: I guess I looked it up. I mean, I know people talk about canned air a lot. So, okay. um, I looked this up, and yeah, it seems that it's. uh, so, so, it says inhalants are everyday household products that are abused to produce mind altering effects. Canned air contains compressed gas and aerosol type can that is sprayed onto keyboards and into electronics to clear out debris. Um, and then this sounds like an ad for a company called dust off as of 2015, around 10% of Americans age 12 and older have misused inhalant products like dust off. Ooh, that's a lot. My, um, one experience with that. And I'll, I'll tell this very quickly. Um, I worked at a place that sold canned air and, um, I went outside to smoke out in the back and there were some strange hissing noises coming from this, this giant electrical unit or whatever. I don't know what it is. Some kind of generator or something behind our building. So I was a little concerned because that's the type of thing that you shouldn't be hearing like hissing noises from. And, uh, when I walked over there, there was a man probably in his late fifties, um, huffing canned air. Mm. Um, I called the police, um, and they, they actually took him away in an ambulance. The funny part is I was talking to another manager at uh, at work the next day and talking about this. He goes, well, you know, he goes, someone called here the other night and asked us not to sell his father canned air. Wow. And his response was like, look, if an adult comes in here to buy canned air, I'm sorry. You know, as much as I'd like to help you, I can't just tell everybody, you know, every right. adult man comes in here, you can't buy canned air. <laughs> like, you know, we have no right to discriminate, you know. Hmm. Um, who we're selling to but yeah this guy was on the on the canned air so
1: well i mean that like when i was in when I was a teenager i was at a grocery store and like the kids would always do whip it's like the with the you know ready whip like i Bell get whip the cream. feeling i get the feeling
0: that there's maybe something else in canned air that's that's a little more uh, than
1: we yeah I don't know. maybe we'll have to get what an is Huffing actually mean i don't know like inhaling okay. No I, guess, I mean, it's, you'd say you did inhale it, right? Let's see. Where the hell, you know, we're off where to the worst, start like, here. worst. drug users ever. We don't know what. What is, is huff?
0: Sniff fumes from gasoline or solvents for a euphoric effect.
1: Hmm. That's hmm. Uh, so. That, is that different than huff Isn't I, I see the huff po I mean, all the time. Is I don't know. I think the effect might be the same. <laughs> Anyway, wow, yeah, so um but all right, um yeah, I didn't know, all right,
0: as <laughs> the synopsis says <laughs> in this book, um, yeah, we start out with uh with our unnamed protagonist,, uh, and it was done so well, do you realize it took me all the way to almost the end of the book to realize that our protagonist didn't have a name?
1: Um, yeah, that was just one of those well, it's because it was from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, you never talk about yourself in the third person unless you're like Bob Dole or something. So, that was a 1996 uh, presidential campaign reference right there. Whew. So, we start off with him, he's in uh, he's in high
0: school, right? Or maybe just out of high school. He's still in high school when he started out. And... uh He's just kind of living his life, doing his thing. He's dating a girl who's away at school, um, and she is not good to him. Um, She's fucking around big time, and he develops a relationship with Emily from the synopsis, kind of behind his girlfriend's back. um, As she's like sleeping with other dudes, he's sleeping with Emily, and Emily knows about it, so kind of go through this introduction to his life, um, essentially, like, through kind of the women he's involved with, which is a little interesting. Like, he's he's a mild drug user, you know, but nothing major. Um, Really, the the first thing I felt about him in this book was, like, how he relates to different women.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... It's a lot... I will say this about the book in general, is that um, we see the world through his eyes, but we really see the world through his interactions with people. And um, his reflection on how he feels about the interaction with people is like a real big part of it. So um, as we, we see him with like kind of the cheating girlfriend, which he already kind of gave up on her, but they never broke up. And now he's with Emily. Uh, All of this is, is heavily reflecting on, He's heavily reflecting on like how it how it, how these things are making him feel and when he feels shitty about doing certain things and stuff like that. So like yeah, his entire like the whole book is very focused on like him reflecting on these interactions and, and relationships he has with people.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I don't know how much we're gonna talk about the actual plot. I feel like we're gonna talk a lot about kinda of his outlook on life and maybe the story not maybe for sure the storytelling style, but Eventually Emily talks about going off to college and in a knee jerk reaction, he signs up for the military Um, and he's uh, shipped off. He stays in a relationship with Emily. We spend a good portion of the book in Iraq where we uh, see more of his interactions with people and then he comes back and that's where shit just kind of goes south from a drug use standpoint. There you go. I've summed up the entire book. Yeah, that's then, really like 70%
1: yeah. of the book right there. Um, <laughs> this book is strange because it's not um, it doesn't have like a traditional narrative to it. Um, it, it reads like a memoir. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though it's supposed to be fiction and we know it's probably this dude's life. It is. Let's just fucking say it. Like this guy's telling us what happened in his life. It reads like a memoir, so it's real difficult to nail down like... um the you know like character growth and 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 you know development and things like that because it's just not how this book works um and really the things that happens are, are are like the the going to iraq and everything is is not the focus it's really like this guy and his relationships with people and watching his life go in a direction entirely different than maybe he thought um it was going to go um and, like, yeah, like Livia said, once he gets back from uh, the military, once he comes back from that uh, his, his deployment in Iraq, like, oof, buddy, things just get nuts. Yeah, and I think that—so it's written—just
0: um, to go back to what you said—it's written linearly— um, and, yeah. but like memoir style where there are times where he like, you know, is in a situation and recalls something previously that happened, you know, or something yeah. like that. We move, we move straight through his, his life. I mean, the, the prologue kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of where the book's going to end up, but, um, you know, it, it's hard cause it's hard to see, like you said, from a character development standpoint, you don't really see, or I don't feel like I really saw his progression to get to where he gets at the end of the book. You see all the reasons and you see all the justifications for it, but the story doesn't necessarily give us that, that look at how he becomes who he eventually becomes. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Somewhat, yeah, I agree.
0: Um, what's interesting about this book is his interaction and reaction to people. And I, I have to believe that, that a good, good portion of this is based on his life experiences because even some of the little like throwaways and interactions that he has seem very, very, very genuine. And, and I'll, I'll start with that first girlfriend that he has. She, uh, she cheats on him and I don't actually have this, um, bookmarked in the book. um, he finds out they have a big blowout fight. He essentially begs her to stay with him. Um, and she eventually at one point says, well, you know, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And then she says, at least, you know, you don't push my head down when I'm giving you a blowjob uh, or yeah. whatever. Essentially yeah. referencing. And that just feels like something somebody super jaded and mean would, say, would make it about themselves. But like in this way that would hurt you. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Like it felt like a like a pretty genuine interaction with somebody who's just super calloused.
1: Yeah. And another another example um, similar to kind of set kind of what the tone is like in this book is um, he goes at one point to visit this first girlfriend, um, not his. First, I don't know if it's his actual first girlfriend, but the first one where we see he goes to visit her at college and um, like she doesn't really change uh adapt her kind of daily routine to him being there he just kind of tags along to whatever shit she had already kind of would have been doing and so they go to this like frat party and um she's just acting like a wild college girl and he just kind of ends up stuck you know hanging out on the sideline drinking beer and just waiting really waiting for it to be over and one of her friends kind of comes along and gives him a sad look and says like she's playing you dude and uh, not that I've gone through things like that, but that is probably one of the most genuine, like going to visit your girl at college stories you could possibly ever write,
0: yeah, I agree, and that's where I think the genuine merit in this book is, not so much in the actual stories that happen to him, but in how how real they all feel yeah you know he's off in the military so the military takes up a probably my one fault for this book is how much time we spend with him in the military um, there are some things I don't do well <laughs> with like all right I may have covered some of this on the <laughs> podcast before if a book takes place completely in the wilderness, I'm not real likely to read it or or enjoy it. If a book (laughs) takes place completely in the military, there are just things that I just, I go, uh, I just don't even want to fucking read this, you know? And this, that's how I kind of feel about stories that take place in the military. Um, that being said, it's not that it was terrible, but it went on for a really long time. But the whole point of that was kind of the, I think the pointlessness of it all and his seeing the pointlessness of everything they do there. Um, and there are a lot of character interactions there that, again, seem very genuine. So I'm going to totally ad lib this, you know, but there's he talks about a guy who um, was killed. He drove over an, an I, um, I- IED. Is that what mm-hmm. they call yeah. IED? Yep. And how everyone thinks he's a great guy now, but he really wasn't a great guy before. Everyone kind of thought he was kind of an asshole, you know, and he gives a, bu- a list of things that, that have happened. But once the guy got killed in action, like, that's it. Everyone thinks he's a great guy. You know what I mean? And that yeah. that's also another thing that happens. It's very genuine. You know, no one has more friends um, at any point in their life, to, uh, you know, more than the day they die. And just use Facebook. You know, and you can see that doesn't matter if you're a musician or an actor, suddenly everyone's a huge Aretha Franklin fan. And that's kind of <laughs> how that's got but that's a reality that yeah. I think he really pushed through in, in one little, you know, mini chapter in this book.
1: So I, I... I kind of want to unpack why you don't like military in, in books. And there's a couple of thoughts I had. Is it this was jargon heavy? Um, so is it the war aspect itself? Or is it like you just don't like reading about um, the military people? Like for me, like the hardest part to get through was like understanding what, you know, remembering what a f- like f- FOE was and stuff like that, like the mm-hmm. forward operating area, FOA, whatever it was. I
0: think it's a little bit of that. I think that um, the pointlessness in it that was in this book really is the part that spoke to me about it because that's yeah. kind of how I feel about that type of of literature. And that's not to say anything negative about people who are in the military. I think they perform a, a wonderful service for our country. I
1: just don't find it fascinating to read about. That's yeah, and that's that's a good point because it's it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a tricky trap for us because like obviously we you know. You and I both respect, you know, people who serve their country in the military and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, like you were saying, the whole point of of that part of the book was to to illustrate, like, um, it was it wasn't doing anything to advance the like the war effort, like the what they were where where they were and what they were up to wasn't necessarily helping us win anything. It was just kind of a thing they were doing. And so it was more people, like, just kind of steeped in death and and how it changes you and and the weird things that happen, you know, in a – almost, like, completely detached from reality. And then, you know, having (laughs) – and then I I can imagine going back to your everyday life after – um after your you know deployment is over and going back home and he even said at one point like not fit for polite society we're all psychopaths or something like that mm-hmm. um and like seeing that contrast of like you go from a, a life where you know your parents expect you to go to college because everybody goes to college and then you get a good job then you go to this fucking world where it's just like death for the sake of death and then how do you go back to that you know white picket fence kind of life Oh, for sure. And
0: I can't imagine how difficult that is for somebody. As I said, that's not to marginalize the military at all. It's just not something I'm totally into reading. The saving grace of it was again, that he analyzed people like this book is all about people. And there's um, a million little vignette stories that are told. I'm exaggerating by a little bit, but about people's reactions to things and people's interactions with things. And so what Rob said is very true. He had the people there that were very, very callous. Like there's, um, he talks about like kids that are, are begging for like food. I'm guessing food rations. That was yeah. another one of those jargon things. I'm pretty sure that's what it
1: meant. Yeah, MREs are are yeah. um, military ration. Yeah, I think yeah. something like that.
0: And like there's the one point like there's this little girl that he sees frequently as they're in this little village or whatever. And at one point, I don't know the sergeant or or whatever, you know, kind of opens up the back door and you know to the vehicle and, and holds one out. And as she like runs up, like he just drives away. You know, that kind of thing, like that that inner look at how people act, especially when they're put in situations um, that are super stressful like that. Like there's two ways to go. I would go into the crying in the corner. I'm not going out and doing it kind of way. And then you get people who you know wind up not in this book, but you know cut off you know pe- enemies' ears and wear them as necklaces. Shit that you know I'm sure that guy thought the day before he went into the military was something that would never happen. So you kind of get a look at just a variety of different types of people and their reactions to things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the record, I looked it up because I felt like I would be an asshole if I if I got it wrong, and I did. MRE stands for meals ready to eat. That's um. <laughs> how Rob <laughs> prefers all of his meals. I'm ready to eat. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think like you I did not expect the military part to take up as much in the book as it did, but I I kind of appreciated it because um if you want to talk about like witnessing like the unraveling of of, you know, uh the expectations of humanity, like that's probably a really good example of that. Um and there wasn't it, the thing I liked about it was it was pretty much always shitty There was never like those, you know, like you you watch, you know, Top Gun or some movie like that. And they're playing beach volleyball and like occasionally they're flying around shooting at each other. But this was all just like you're in the shit until you get done being in the shit. And so I kind of appreciate appreciated that aspect of it.
0: And then there's the the junkie lifestyle that fills out the rest of the book. Um, I have some limited exposure um, to, to the junkie lifestyle, not myself obviously but um some of that you know felt very genuine and, and hit hit pretty close to home you know it's uh there's a there's a a part um i don't think i have this marked, but where he talks about like their plans and their dreams and this is like as he's buying heroin and like the the road out from that is is uh, unimaginably difficult or at least i imagine it's unimaginably difficult um but you know that the the a junkie still has that dream that one day everything is just going to be great. I just got to get to that part where it's great, and sadly, most of them uh, most of them don't. So,
1: yeah. That and that what he did well was to illustrate how um, you can never get like well, once you get addicted, you're always too far behind to get caught up. It, it felt like, and so. The thing that was crazy to me was, um, how much it, how expensive. Like, <laughs> this is gonna sound really petty of me, but like, holy shit! I, like, they had to dump so much money into just not feeling like garbage once they were addicted, and that's kind of what it made me feel like. It was like, uh, do you ever see? And this is, a, I really feel bad that this is my analogy for becoming addicted to heroin, but <laughs> do you ever see the? Um, I've seen them on the internet. I don't even know exactly where, but like. It's got to be like in an Asian country or something like that, where um, all these people are trying to climb up this like set of stairs, but it's like really slippery.
0: I don't know what this is. Oh,
1: I think at one point, um Ozzy man, the um, Australian guy who just comment does commentary on random Internet videos, like did, mm-hmm. did 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 one or two of those. But like it's this big like probably like it looks like two flights of of stairs. And there's all these, you know, like six people at the bottom and all they have to do is climb to the top of the stairs and grab something or touch something or whatever. And whoever does that wins. But like they it's like they're, you know, lubricated or something. So it becomes really difficult just like keeping your footing and stuff because you keep slipping. And. I feel like an asshole for comparing it to this because this is like a super serious thing. But that's how it felt in the book. Like they would get a few steps up and feel like they were making progress and then slip all the way back to the bottom. And then they would make, you know, a little bit of progress again and just slip all the way back. Because they even went to um, detox at one point. One of them went to detox and, you know, they have like like you were saying all these best intentions. But all those future plans were always decimated by the fact that like in the moment, you you were you you started to feel sick and then you had to deal with it then and that screwed up everything you were trying to do
0: yeah they they leave detox and they stop to get some heroin to just help them yeah. feel a little bit better <laughs> to get through the weekend yep. and then everything would be okay which then turns into getting more heroin and yeah the amount of money there's really and some of it's done in in a in written in a in a I believe a comedic way and that's the way I took it there's there's a part where <laughs> The protagonist says, all right, I just got $1,100 worth of heroin. This should last us nine days. And that's like three days later. And they're like, yeah. they, they're they out of heroin. You know what I mean? So it's it. And it's written in a, I, I feel, and God, I hope I didn't misinterpret this. It's written in a kind of tongue in cheek way where it's like the one sentence says we're good for 11 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. The next one's like three days later, we're shooting up the, the last of it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out how to get more. So it's a it's a unimaginable tragedy for uh, for people um who you know who have not had uh this uh, touch their lives but so much of that seemed so very true and and um i felt at times for the narrator i genuinely genuinely felt for him if sometimes because i could see the plight he was in and he couldn't which is a, just a sign of a of a truly great writer i think yeah. you know when the narrator the guy who's writing the story and telling it to us from the end you know going back does not you know can can make you see that he doesn't see it and you can see you know the the kind of looming doom um coming for him
1: yeah um and it it it, it is kind of i don't want to say lighthearted but it's written from the perspective of someone who like that's just how life is and so you don't usually get the sadness of how fucked their lives really are um except for there's this one kind of really tiny moment that maybe it was even just a paragraph or something where um him and emily are arguing and it's about you know being dope fiends and they they basically just for a second acknowledge how awful their existence is and um instead of having that hopeful like well once we get this you know once we get some heroin we'll feel better they just kind of in the moment they just real they just talk about how fucked they are and how there's nothing they can do about it and they just kind of like live in that moment and that was like profoundly sad but then you know whatever next paragraph or, or, or new chapter or whatever it was goes back to just like this the daily struggle of a junkie so um like you were saying it's very much just kind of written from the perspective of someone where that's just kind of given into this is how life is but that one little moment of a breakdown was 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 really kind of like one of those profoundly emotional moments in the book
0: for sure um i want to talk a little bit about the style of writing but first uh, the first thing i marked and this is I don't know, man. I, sometimes I forget like what we've talked about on the podcast and what we've talked about off the podcast. Um, so I have I have yeah. a paragraph, which I thought was just great um, uh, on its own. It was great. But this really reminded me of conversations Rob and I have had. Emily used to wear a white ribbon around her throat and talk in breaths and murmurs, being nice as she was in a way. So as you didn't know, if she were a slut or just real down to earth. And from the start, I was dying <laughs> to find out. But I thought I had a girlfriend and I was shy. Clearly, he does not know the rule about, like, chokers, like, ribbons (laughs) around the neck. Yeah. Because I knew when he said that about Emily early on. I was like, oh, no, let me tell you. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, this was written in kind of a staccato machine gun style in parts, like, super short sentences describing what was going on in in the book um, in a way that very much reminded me of Catcher in the
1: Rye. Have you ever read Catcher in the Rye, Rob? I did back in, you know, high school or whatever, but um I don't remember much about it. I remember he thinks everybody's a phony. I remember enough to agree with you saying it's familiar in style.
0: Yeah, this is this is definitely I, I feel catcher in the rye for like the the um, like, you know, the the, the current um, generation and probably not for the whole current generation, but at least for people who are in this situation. Here's a here's just a paragraph. It's kind of a long paragraph, but I feel like this was interjected into the book enough to make me think of Holden Caulfield. Gilda was fucking, by the way, this is the way the chapter starts. Gilda was fucking Roy. She was also fucking an Israeli guy named Ricky. Ricky wore a leather jacket, but he wasn't shit. Libby told me about Ricky, but I knew him from before and I knew he wasn't shit. He was one of he was one of these ones that everything he says is a lie, and he goes around telling girls he's 27 when he's more like 40. And he wore a leather jacket. And he wasn't shit. Like that's the kind of like super short yeah. sentences that tell you where you're going that made me think that uh that Nick, the author, may have been a a, a fan of uh JD Salinger.
1: Yeah, and his style has um, – uh, I think the similarity for me, like you were saying, is like his observations on people. But like his observations on people usually center around the quality of their character in some way. Like either they're a really good person or they're a really bad person or I'm a good person because I did this with someone or I'm a bad person because this is what I did to someone. And so that that's the familiar thing for me. Because if I remember what I remember of Catcher in the Rye was like uh, the Holden Caulfield character was like almost constantly aware of um, how interactions impacted him, like the way, you know, how people were to him or how he was to people. And this is very similar to that.
0: Yeah, I have so many like not not to spoil my my review on this. I love I love the way this guy writes. I, I absolutely love it. This may be the most highlights I put in we don't even do quotes on the podcast anymore for anybody who's listened for a long time where we'd spend 15 minutes reading our favorite quotes like it's something we don't do anymore. I don't remember the last time I highlighted this much stuff. I do like this one and I am gonna do this one. Um, our character gets involved with a girl um, briefly um, through the course of the story and and it, he he knows he needs to move on. I tried about everything I could think of to get Megan to be the one to break up with me so as to spare her feelings. I acted batshit crazy. She liked it. I ignored her phone calls for days. She kept calling. I stopped paying for things. She paid for everything. I stuffed her socks in her mouth. She had an orgasm. Nothing worked.
1: Yeah, I remember that. That was good
0: that's goddamn hilarious. And again, like speaks to a truth of like, she's that into him and he kind of doesn't want to break up. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something there to that, that again, real. feels very genuine. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's just how that's the whole book is, is how it was written. Um, uh, stuff like that. And I agree. I think that he, he's a very good writer. Um, I didn't have any trouble at all getting into the book. Well, and then can we talk about structure a little bit? Um, the prologue um, is his junkie life. So the prologue is, you know, f- um, you know, matches up. It pops up probably closer to like the last 20% of the book as far as like, you know, this guy's life goes. But like there's some just real heartbreaking shit in there where like – um they feel dumb for, you know, they they bought, they bought got a dog and um, he feels bad that they're, you know, junkies who got a dog and they, you know, getting the dog was one of those things that was going to be a thing that pushed them to get clean. And they didn't. They just were, now they were junkies that owned a dog. And, and, and so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, the whole thing is so great. Yeah. And uh,
0: <clears throat> I don't know. Personally, I'm very glad we read it. Um did you want to did you want to move to wrap-ups
1: yeah it's weird and um like we because it's like kind of memoir style um it's weird to talk to because like i'm sure that we've we've actually probably talked about stuff that's a little spoilery but you'll never know it um we didn't reveal anything that was going to ruin the book for you so um yeah i guess yeah let's use i can do i'll 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 get started I don't know where Livius found this book, and, um, this is the debut novel for the author, so, um, I can't say that I've read anything by him before, because he had not written anything yet, um, but, like, this came out of nowhere, and I'll agree, the cover is phenomenal, um, it's just, what, I can't, I mean, it was in a forum that we kind of chat on, and I said something like, um, the cover is, like, pure throbbing sexuality, it's just, like, really badass-looking cover, um, so it draws you in and then um, his writing style immediately grabs you um, because it's like you're sitting there listening to someone tell you the ups and downs of their lives. And their life is, is interesting and, and insane enough that you want that you kind of start getting involved and, and, and uh, invested in what's going on. And so throughout the book, um, I would say that I never really felt like I was on anyone's side. And I'm interested to see what Livia says about that. But it wasn't like I was rooting for um, the unnamed narrator or, a, you know, that I wanted him to end up with a certain, like, you know, girl of the girls he dated or, you know, some storybook ending. I just wanted to know what he had to say. And so that was unique because I didn't feel a specific emotional attachment, but um, I appreciate that the the way the story played out. I hope that makes sense. Um, that being said, very good writing. um it's very engaging. It's got a really nice style to it, like Livia said. it's got that um, uh, style that's similar to to like the catcher in the ride the Holden Caulfield character and stuff and and it just all really worked for me and I read it. I could have read it in one sitting, but I actually did um I think I did the first third of it one night and then I finished it the next night. so it was a very easy and very quick read and um yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about this. I'm going to go four and a half stars on this one.
0: Um, just to answer Rob's question, ah, you know, it's interesting. I didn't think about it. I thought about it when you said it. Um, I don't know that I was rooting for the protagonist, but I felt bad for him. And I think that's a different thing. Um, like I said, I think that one of the things that, uh, that Nico did, uh, which I called him Nick earlier, by the way, that Nick, Nico, <laughs> um, did really well. You know in him this. so well, you're
1: going to call yeah. him Nico.
0: Yeah, um, that Nico did uh, did so well in this is that um, he made me feel like he didn't know how his life was going to end up or how the story was going to end up or however you want to say it. The protagonist, I don't know how much of this is really based on on the author's life. I imagine it's quite a bit. Um. But because I know, I felt like I knew where this story was going to end. Um, you know, I was just looking for it coming. And as he's uh, dreaming about a better life and and he's got some things sorted and whatever, you know, I just kind of felt bad for him throughout. Um, I felt that this was a definitely a, a book about people and not so much about addiction. Um, and again, you know, a different person could get a completely different thing out of this. It was a. Uh, it, for me, it was it was watching different people and recognizing reactions to things I, I'd either reacted to in my own life or seen people react to, and and you know, and seeing um, drug addicts um, and and their reactions and thoughts of things and thinking the things I've seen or heard or talked to people who are in a position like that that sounded very familiar. So there's so much truth in this book and in its people um, that I super super enjoyed it. I liked the writing style. Um, I felt compelled to keep reading and a lot of that I think had to do with pace and that kind of like a kind of staccato style of writing. in a lot of parts it just moved you through to the next thing um, the next portion. I had to slow myself down. I had a super early start on this because of the power outage that happened during our episode last week. <laughs> so I knocked through <laughs> like 90 minutes worth of it just because I had nothing better to do. Like, you know, all the power was out, no internet, no anything. And I said, well, I've got my phone and I've got this book. I'm going to start this book and, and powered through a good portion of it in my first sitting and then purposely slowed down. So it'd be a little fresher in my mind um, by the time we recorded it. I definitely want to read more by, uh, by Nico. I want to talk to him. I don't know how likely that is because he's in prison. So we'll put out another plea. If for some reason you get like Spotify or whatever in prison, Nico, and you hear this and there's a way to do it, definitely shoot us an email book podcast at com. Love to talk to you about the writing style and, and, uh, And maybe about similarities in your life versus uh, our unnamed protagonist. Um, Yeah, I I, I think Rob's spot on with this four and a half stars and just a fantastic debut by uh, by this guy. So something that
1: I thought of, I was thinking of as Livius was going into um, his wrap up is one of the reasons that I feel like I don't I didn't I wasn't necessarily rooting for. uh, I think I kind of identified is that like. It's tough to have empathy for, for a lot of the things that were going on in this person's life because they're so radically different than, than my own life experiences. So I I just don't have anything to kind of um, compare it to, if that makes sense. So I can really, like, like you were saying, you felt bad for the dude. I can feel sympathy for this dude all day long because, like, dude got handed, like, a pretty shitty hand or just really was bad at playing the cards that he got dealt. Um, but, like there's no way that I could put my life experiences on the level of spending a year, you know, in a war zone or, you know, spending years as as addicted to heroin. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little voyeuristic, um, because you're just watching this thing unfold. That's, that's kind of foreign to you. Um, but you still, yeah, like I, I would, that's the thing. Like if, if we, if you and I knew this unnamed narrator, we would probably feel bad for him, but I'd also probably be like, I don't want him to have my phone number, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not gonna loan him I'm not gonna loan him fifty bucks. Yeah. Is right. that, like yeah. I, I hope he gets better, but like, you know, he has the the potential to, to have a damaging effect on your life. So it's uh really weird. But um that I think that's one of the big things that the realizations that talking this through gave me was that like I have no I have no life experiences that i can kind of compare it to
0: yeah it's interesting you say that because um one of the i don't know one of the the consequences i guess that that and and maybe i don't know if it doesn't get talked about enough i guess maybe i'm I'm off on a tangent where you start talking about you know social um woes and stuff but the effect that that somebody in his position can and he didn't so much in this book because his his um relationship with his parents was, was demonstrated very minimally. Um, but if you ever, if you ever want to, you know, kind of get a good idea, talk to like the mom of a drug addict, you know, Mm -hmm. talk to to the one person that would do anything, you know, for their kid and, and how the longer it goes on, you know, you wind up breaking the people around you and you think, I I would imagine that as drug addict, you think you're all the wolves are yours, but just imagine the people around you that are, that are giving up, you know, small parts of themselves all the time trying to get you straight or trying to help you out. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there is that thing where you said you'd want him to get better, but you'd also want to keep him at an arm's distance. And yeah. that's 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 a really tricky part that I don't think really like the, the interesting thing about our narrator is that if there are parts in the book where he tried to keep himself away from people because he knew what his bad influence was. and And I don't know how genuine that is. Because the way I've seen it is always the other way around. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Uh, like, like I'm the victim here, and I just need people to help me. But I've shit on everybody around me, and I don't understand why no one will help me anymore.
1: So, Well, that was one of the interesting things about the narrator character was he was very aware and maybe um, a little beyond what was reality. But he, he thought of himself as kind of a garbage person um, a lot. And and so I think maybe that that explains part of that is that like when something bad happened to him, he just assumed it was because he deserved it. Um, except f- uh, in, in normal life, when it was with relationships, that was it was a little bit different. But like if someone ripped him off or you know gave him bad drugs or whatever, he just assumed he deserved it because he was a piece of crap.
0: Dude, I know we're so <laughs> out of reviewing this book, right? Like this yeah, is like know. a whole second <laughs> review. But just in his portrayal of. The women in in this book, it was just something else, man. I don't know if he just kept running into terrible women. he talks about um, Emily. There's just a real throwaway that it almost didn't fit in the book. I almost felt like it was a weird. uh, He talks about Emily getting electrolysis while he's in the military and then realizing that a 100 other dudes had seen it before he did. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yep. just, yeah, he is not, he is not super friendly to women in this book. Not, and I don't think it's in a misogynistic way. I mean, I, I definitely feel that that's, that's who he's thrown his lot in with, um, uh, in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah. And then contrasting that with like a tragic love kind of thing, like this dude, when he falls in love, he falls like all encompassingly, like he would burn the earth for someone. So, um, I think that some of the harsh judgments on women, Is because he holds them in such high regard that when they do something that basically anybody would do, then they're a whore or or whatever, like that kind of thing. Um, It's funny that we never mentioned bank robberies. It's in the it's in the you know what I'm saying? It's in the synopsis. But like and he robs some banks. It's and it's in the beginning of the book and it's in the end of the book. But like it's so doesn't matter in the story.
0: And some of the more comical stuff is definitely involved in those bank robberies. (laughs) At any rate. Yeah. Go out and read this book. Um, I, I think that it's a, it's a, even if you don't want to read about drug addicts and bank robberies or the military, um, if you want to read about people, I think this is a great place to do it.
1: Yeah, it really is a good kind of, um, analysis of, of just how people interact with each other and how they impact each other. Um, great book. This is, I mean, I know Livius was talking about how baby teeth was probably the best book we read this year, but, um, I'd argue that this is very, very close to very different. I don't know. Yeah. Very (laughs) Um, different. Yeah. But um, yeah, I dug it a lot. So what else? What else is going on? What do we got? Um,
0: Not a whole lot, man. Um, We've got we've still got a couple of episodes planned out. Um, We'll have Zoya stage next week, which uh, I'm super excited about. Um, and then, uh, I mentioned it last week, but we're going to review that. I got to start this thing, man, this, we sold our souls, this rock and roll horror novel. And I don't know why it makes me laugh, but every time I think about it, I kind of, I kind of go this, this, uh, this, this should be interesting. That's what we got podcast wise. I don't know. In my whatever, regular life, I've got nothing. I watched, um, watched five seasons essentially of grand designs. Have you ever seen grand designs?
1: No, is it like an HGTV
0: thing or something like that? No, well, no, the one I saw, so there's Grand Designs, which is a British thing, so I don't know, maybe it's on ITV or something or maybe BBC. It was just on Netflix and it's about people who build um kind of crazy houses and not so much that they're they're crazy always in scope, but like in weird locations or in really tough locations and they essentially follow a couple um for like a th- you know two to three years however long it takes to build this house and mm-hmm. all the pitfalls, and i've essentially watched enough that i'm pretty sure i want to build my own house um oh, i just wow. need like seven hundred thousand dollars so if you're listening and you want to contribute to that fund patreon.com slash booked is well, where you can do that
1: welcome to built You guys talk about the houses they're building.
0: The problem is when you watch so much of something (laughs) over the course of like two weeks, I think I watch like 35 episodes. Like, I'm pretty sure that I could build a house that I now have the actual ability to build a house um, (laughs) on a cliff in a forest um, on top of like rock. But uh, you see some of these places, man, and they're just stunning. But yeah, yeah, not not a lot under like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
1: Okay, well, entirely different than that. I'll tell you about a movie that i that I watched uh, yesterday. Have you heard of American animals? I have not. all right, I would recommend that you check out at least the trailer for this So American animals since we're talking about bank robbery, this is kind of um, kind of similar. Um, it's a heist movie so um it's about this group of of college aged kids who um, decide they're going so um at, one of the kids goes to a college and and sees in the library there's like a rare books room where um there's like millions of dollars worth of rare books so this this college library for some reason has some of the most rare books that exist in the entire world it's like the library of alexandria but it's in kentucky basically and it's real um and so they plan a heist to steal these books and sell them basically on the black market and get rich and The reason that they want to do it is because the entire you know library like that that rare book room is really only it's not guarded it's just got one librarian who who watches over it, so they think it's an easy score and that's kind of the setup but it's um it's interesting because it's based on this actually happened and um the way the, the film plays out it's about two hours long and as the story goes on it's it's done like a fiction story so there's actors playing these people and everything but interspersed throughout the film are the actual people who did this heist talking and like reflecting on what was going on like in that moment in the movie Mm. and so it's it's um
0: it's totally part part docudrama part fictional like actual like just movie
1: yeah so it's got like an element of like yeah, you know, Netflix is doing all those like Making a Murderer and uh, what was the one Evil Genius that came out recently and stuff like that, where it's an actual story. Um, and, but it's like so it's got that kind of element to it where you're 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 seeing the people who were involved talk about what happened. But it's also playing out as a drama with actors and everything. So um, it was just really interesting and unique. Um, it's got Evan Peters in it, who is the young kid from all the American Horror Story um uh seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh just a you know a handful of other young actors I'm not really familiar with, but um really interesting story and uh just like a unique kind of play, because it, it it plays out like like a normal drama movie, but it's got those those real people kicked in the middle of it, so it's got that um documentary kind of feel to it as well. And um I actually really enjoyed it. Um very unique for a heist movie because um, it, it's pretty obvious from the beginning that it's doomed because these guys are like, even in the beginning, like they're talking, uh, from, from jail or not from jail, but like you knew they were in prison and they're, and it's, it's kind of a It's very sad because like, you know, yeah, <laughs> you just basically are waiting to see how is, how is this heist going to go horribly wrong? So it's interesting. This Christ
0: sounds like uh, my review of cherry.
1: Well, and that's, I don't know why it feels like similar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. even though it's two entirely different things. Like it's sure. just got this like doomed fate kind of feel to it. I looked up
0: on rotten tomatoes and, and not to stray too far away from the subject, but that won't you be my neighbor apparently is out the, the Mr. Rogers oh. docudrama. And I'm looking forward to that. Do you watch Mr. Rogers when you were a kid um, or was that passed I... <laughs> already when you were?
1: No, I, I did. And, um, the, the, for, as a kid, I was thinking about this the other day, so I'm glad you brought this up. I'm going to go on a tangent you can bring it back. Um, I was thinking as a kid how strange it was that this dude would just show up at home and be talking to us. But that wasn't the strange part. The strange part was like he took off one shirt and put a different one on. And then he took off like a pair of shoes and put, you know, like he had that kind of like getting home routine that he did. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. And I never understood that as a kid. But like that's literally the first thing I do when I get home is like I get out (laughs) of my work stuff and I get into my home (laughs) stuff. And I'm like, I'm fucking Mr. Rogers now. And I get it, but as a kid, no one ever told me why, and and that's I reflect on that like practically daily now. <laughs>
0: well, it's funny because I've watched um a few things on Mr. Rogers over the last um couple of years, and, and sometimes it's just like a, a YouTube clip someone put together, you know, or whatever, but it's like I don't think as a, as an adult, um I don't know how to say this, like I really appreciate what he did as an adult more than i did as a kid as a kid i enjoyed watching it but it was always like a fun thing for me to watch as an adult when i watch like clips of mr rogers like i kind of understand that there
1: were life lessons there if that makes sense yeah he was trying to make us all good people
0: yeah and as an adult i have also had the opportunity to watch um some current kids programming and cartoons and stuff and you always can see what the you know what, what lesson they're trying to teach or whatever but it just doesn't feel the same if that makes sense yeah like i don't i don't find kids programming today to to be of the same quality as something like the 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 mr roger's show i also used to watch um sesame street because that's like they were on probably one after the other or something i never liked sesame street
1: <laughs> did you see there's a clip of his name was fred right fred rogers yes um where he's speaking Like, he's speaking in front of Congress or something, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, trying to save public television. Yep. Like, even he, Mr. Rogers' Congress, like, you know what I'm saying? He did the same thing to Congress that he did to us. He probably showed up, took off his one vest, you know, sweater vest, put a different sweater vest on, and then testified in front of Congress. (laughs) But, like, yeah, that dude was something else.
0: He was. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Other than that, Rotten Tomatoes is telling me I should watch this movie called Ghost Stories too. So maybe I have a busy week ahead of me getting through this. Uh, we sold our souls and watching a bunch of Rotten Tomatoes picks.
1: Wait, you, did you go there to look at the American Animals? I did, yes. Did, did you find anything worth talking about or no? No, I mean it's a it's got an eighty five percent. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's
0: terrific. That's yeah. real good. And that's um, other than that, there's a trail. I didn't want to want to be that guy. I was like, I should listen to what Rob's saying, but I almost clicked to watch the trailer. <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm gonna listen to what Rob's sake instead.
1: I mean it's got an interesting and the other thing that I was um I was just I was describing this to um friends of the podcast, Jesse and Misty, is um because the from the sound of it, Jesse said, Oh, what is that, like a Netflix series? And um American Animals just sounds like, you know, something that they would do. And it's shot in a very um if this makes any sense at all, it's shot like something that would be on Netflix. Like it's it's not shot like a like a typical like big Hollywood studio movie. It's got like that that Netflixy kind of like really shiny, um, clean look um, that that's different than what, you know, traditional Hollywood studios would put out a little more artsy. Yeah,
0: very interesting. I will likely um, I will likely um, give that a go this week. Yeah. Other than that, I watched a bunch of Jack Ryan today. So being a holiday Labor Day, I watched six episodes of the new uh um Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Um pretty oh, yeah. good. It's got Jim from the office. And he spends a lot of time in an office. So feels very familiar.
1: Uh did he did he mug the camera a lot? Did he just like dead eye of the camera <laughs> no but there um, is
0: a shot i think it's in the first episode where they have like a ridiculous close-up of his face and when you're watching it on like a 60 inch tv it's just like i saw way too much of halpert on my screen
1: um i want to point out something that you glossed over the fact that we're going back to our roots and we're recording on a holiday it's labor day today yeah,
0: yeah i actually huh. forgot about it until i just said that oh by the <laughs> way and i don't know what his name is but the other co-star of um of uh, Jack Ryan is oh god damn it from the wire. Um the 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 is main he, character's partner.
1: Oh I was gonna say is the officer McNutty?
0: No, the other one, <laughs> McNutty's partner. Like older uh, black
1: guy. The older dude? Yeah. I really like that actor, and I feel really bad that I don't know his name. Um yeah. because he's great in everything he's in. I'm I'm looking it up now. Um Wendell Pierce, he played Bunk who I believe was his oh, was okay. partner for most yeah. of it. Yeah. He's, you know who that, you know what he's in the guy who plays bunk. He's uh, in hackers. He
0: oh, plays one
1: of the FBI agents who like they, uh, he, the, when they're doing like a big war, like that's uh, right. Yeah. They keep pranking him who can prank him the best. And they like make him dead and stuff.
0: Yeah. He's the, like the head of the FCC or something yeah, or yeah. whoever's going after him. Yeah. I forgot all about yeah. that. That's such a good movie. <laughs> hackers is great. <laughs> bunk is great now that we covered all of our tv viewing for the week um anything else you want to say before we get out
1: of here uh no i got nothing i'm probably gonna have a little late night snack and and call it an evening
0: it's like four beers is that what you're saying yeah snack (laughs) zoya stage next week i'm pretty sure you're not going to want to miss that until then i'm Livia Snedden.
1: and i'm rob olson keep reading